Welcome to Communicore Weekly. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. That's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, the Twilight Zone. It's time for Disney History! When Disney MGM Studios was opened in 1989, it was a mild success. Michael Eisner's plan of having a universal killer park was rushed into opening, so it didn't have a lot of essential e-ticket attractions that most guests craved. So, when it came time to expand the park, a big draw was planned. The Twilight Zone Tower of Terror originally started its life as an attraction being developed with the famous comedian and filmmaker Mel Brooks. Brooks and his son Max were avid fans of Disneyland, so Eisner wanted to lure him into making movies with Walt Disney Studios by offering him a chance to develop a hybrid comedy and horror attraction. The original idea was called Castle Young Frankenstein, a spin-off of one of the, his most famous films. That eventually evolved into Mel Brooks' Hollywood Horror Hotel. Well, Brooks eventually left the project because of commitments to the movie Life Stinks, and they were straying too far from his ideas. However, the Hollywood Hotel idea stuck, and Imagineers continued to develop on it. Since the planned expansion was going to feature a Sunset Boulevard of the 1930s, the idea evolved into a hotel stuck in that era with a ghost story behind it. They thought a Spanish Renaissance architectural look would fit nicely with the rest of the storefronts on Sunset of Hollywood Boulevards. Without Brooks behind it now, Disney felt the attraction needed a movie or pop culture tie-in with the movie studio theme of the park to really draw crowds in. They eventually settled on the idea of the Twilight Zone, since they had originally wanted to do a Twilight Zone attraction for the opening of the park. The Twilight Zone theme was fairly easy of an overlay for the Disney Imagineers to do, and they went through all 156 episodes of the show to pick themes and elements to suit the attraction. One idea was have the attraction to be a walkthrough and a ride, with guests partaking in a murder mystery to try to figure out what happened to a group of movie stars during a storm, only to find out the truth much too late when they boarded the elevator. While the idea was well-liked, Eisner wanted the guests to feel more involved, and so Imagineers decided to make it so the guests would star in their own episode of The Twilight Zone. So, the ride eventually became as we know it today. Because of the unique nature of the ride, with the elevator traveling on its own through the fifth dimension, only to freefall multiple times later on, a new ride system had to be developed. The AGVs, or Autonomous Guided Vehicle, a self-controlling, self-contained ride vehicle, was designed to move without track. Although the fifth dimension scene floor has guideways for traction, the vehicle itself runs on its own wheels along the floor. A, a modified version of the power couplings used in Epcot's Universe of Energy were used for battery power. Onboard computers follow a pre-programmed ride path and uh, talk to the ride control system through RF wireless frequency. A secondary tracking system follows a wire embedded in the floor to keep track of the AGV's location, and these can easily trigger a ride shutdown if something happens. 
In order to make the AGV fall faster than terminal velocity, a second ride vehicle was required. As the AGV guides itself into the ride shaft to ascend to the boiler room level, it goes into a larger elevator, the VVC, or Vertical Vehicle Conveyance. This is an elevator car in the true sense, complete with cables and wheels. It is this vehicle that lifts the AGV up through the corridor scene to the 5th dimension level. As the AGV transfers horizontally, the VVC returns to the basement level to receive the next AGV that is unloading its guests. For the drop shaft, a beefed up VVC is employed, enough to take the rigors of accelerated freefall and with a pulley system not just on its roof to, like, to lift it like a conventional elevator, but a complete loop of cable that also pulls the entire carriage downwards, as well as up, hence faster than gravity. On July 22, 1994, the brand new attraction opened its doors to the public and guests have been <laughs> dropping in ever since. The attraction was so popular that it has been duplicated at Disney's California Adventure, Walt Disney Studios Park in Paris, and Tokyo Disney Sea. Although the Tokyo version nixed the Twilight Zone references, since the show wasn't well known in Japan, uh, next time that you're in Disney's Hollywood Studios, be sure to check out or into the Hollywood Tower Hotel. He's a nerd, he's a geek, but we all like to hear him speak. So listen up to the words from his beat. It's George's Book of the Week. The Imagineering Field Guide to Disney's Hollywood Studios by Imagineer Alex Wright is a wonderful resource for anyone who wants to get the inside scoop on the popular Florida theme park. Like the other Imagineering Field Guides, Alex looks at what it means to be Imagineer, including terminology and some history, before he dives into the park. The first section on the parks actually discusses the development of the studios. Did you know the original idea was a pavilion at Epcot Center that evolved into the studios? We visit each land in the park. Uh, the book was published in 2010, so it's still pretty current. And learn about the development of the area through some stunning concept art. Alex also includes uh, sections called Quick Takes, which are those nerdy little details that we love so much. Like the five-legged goats? Ooh, yeah, good tie-in. And, and there are actually a ton of them in this book. The section on Hollywood Boulevard was really eye-opening as Alex discussed a lot of the original inspirations for the buildings. This book is really great for people that want to go in-depth with the studios. As I always say about the Imagineering Field Guides, it's like carrying around an Imagineer in your pocket. Although, make sure you poke holes in your pocket so well, they, they need to breathe. breathe. So. Exactly. Uh, it isn't really for just one type of person. People that are visiting for the first time will enjoy it, although it could be a little overwhelming. And Disney nerds, <clears throat> like some people we know, <clears throat> yeah, that have been a bazillion times will still learn some new things. And uh, something unique about this book is that Alex really looks at the philosophy behind the design of the different areas. He helps tell the stories behind the stories and helps make the uh, park come to life in ways you didn't know were possible. I wonder if they can sell Imagineers for your pocket. If it's a legend that you seek, come on and take a peek at the window of the week. You know, the segment is called Window of the Week, and we've used it so far to look at the windows of Main Street USA. But who's to say that there aren't other hidden tributes on windows scattered throughout the Disney parks? Today's window is a great example of that. 
Located in the Echo Lake region of Disney's Hollywood Studios, there is a clever reference to the 1988 film Who Framed Roger Rabbit. One of the windows reads, Eddie Valiant, Private Investigations, All Crimes, Surveillance, Missing Persons. This window is obviously a reference to one of the main characters of the film, and located right next to this window is another great reference, showing an outline of Roger himself from when he smashed through the window just like he does in the film. Sometimes you might see it, sometimes you don't. Hey, look, what's that? It's a five-legged goat. <laughs> One of the more popular spots at the studios during the hot summer months and the really warm winter months is Peavy's Polar Pipeline, located in the Echo Lake area. Peavy serves healthy fruit snacks and is better known for their Peavy's frozen concoctions, the Cosmic Coca-Cola, the Fanta Blue Raspberry, and the Minute Maid Raspberry Lemonade Launcher. Jeff, tell us why it's called Peavy's. Well, back in 1991, Disney released a film called The Rocketeer. Perhaps you heard of it. Oh, yes. Anyway, one of the main characters was an inventor slash tinkerer named Peavy. He actually helped design the helmet that kept the Rocketeer flying. The eatery is decked out to look like Peavy's office with schematics, clippings, and a strange helmet and backpack. Wonder what those could be. Thanks so much for watching. Be sure to leave us a comment and rate us on iTunes. Email us at communicorweekly at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash communicorweekly. Follow us on Twitter at Imaginerding and at Jeff Heimbuck. I'm George. And I'm Jeff. And we're from Mice Chat. Thanks so much for watching. We'll see you next week on Communicore Weekly. The Red Velvet Cupcakes.